Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast of Live Transform. I like the, that you're making the investment and in continuing the journey with us of transformation. Yes, we are really thankful that Jim's here with us today because if he wasn't here, we wouldn't have much to say. Actually, right. well, oh, we I do. bet you would. <laughs> yeah. We actually do have a podcast by ourselves where we do actually talk without Jim, but this is so much fun doing the transformation with you. We this love it. This is a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, it is. You know, uh, it's a really interesting thing for people who are walking the same path, but you know, even though we're walking the same path, we all start out at different places, which means our experience is different. Right, right. And so, and so it's always, to me, it's so insightful or enjoyable to look at the same thing with other people. And, yes. And there be different points of view. I find it so intriguing because we live our life through who we are, who God's created us to be. And it really, it is, it's such a similar journey yet. I love hearing how it's working for you or it's mm -hmm. how you're experiencing it. And it's, and I'm thinking of all our listeners and all of them have their stories of how this is working through for you guys. And so I love hearing from you and um, Jim, we get so much great response. Good. From and I always I always think of just that word dynamics. I don't know if it works in this situation, but I think of you know when you mix the three perfect things to make a, a great drink. Like I'm not trying to think of a cocktail or something, right. but honestly, there's me and Bob. But then you add Jim, and it's a whole oh, different drink. Whole you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. and every, every time you throw any any anything that's live into yes. the mix, then the yes. dynamic changes. Yeah. Right. Yes. I, I was. As, as, as we jump into today's topic of transformation, I, I want to kind of just throw this thing in there, you know, with regards to challenging or difficult. Yeah. And, um, hmm. you know, talking about the mix and the uniqueness of, of people making this journey. And it's, it's a challenge for me when all that people see is is the hardship. Yes. You know, or, yes. you know, yes. the, the, the having to repair or having to undo mm -hmm. or having to fix. And, and it's, and it's like so much work. One, yeah. So much work, just one thing after another, after mm -hmm. another. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I, I know that some people even see, you know, the, their, their life, you know, as believers, as this constant warfare, mm -hmm. you know, and, and battle that's, that's going on. Yes. It's we, had, all... we, we had a couple in here the other day and, um, and I mean, they've just blown their lives up and I just couldn't believe how many times, and I, I'm sitting there and I think, I think I'm going to start counting how many times <laughs> they blame the devil. <laughs> the devil's attacking. The devil did this and now he's or doing this. We must this. be doing something right because yeah, the devil's now, coming yeah, in we're doing like a really flood. Good. Yeah. Our life has been so good. And so he's just, you know, all over us. <laughs> and so when when you're trying to help them with something, you're like, how do I start? Like yeah. when it's that kind of a oh, paradigm, it's like, yep. how do I even start? Yep. Well, the thing that makes it so difficult when people overemphasize the devil is the fact that you have something that every interpretation is subjective. Mm -hmm. there, there is no objective interpretation of what's going on in your life. And so when there is when there is no objective you know insight or input or evaluation or whatever or just no object objectivity then then really you create a false reality and then your then your mind actually re reinforces that false reality it makes you ah, right. your, right. your mind is always seeking to prove that you're right. Right. It's almost like your mind is an employee working for yeah. you. So whatever you believe, it takes that and just goes with it. Yeah. And so so once we once we get a particular view of something, uh, we, we start adapting how we're functioning, not to the reality around us, but to our interpretation mm -hmm. of, the, of the reality. Yeah, and you know, that kind of takes us back to something we talked about weeks ago, and it's a scripture I always hit over and over and over again. Is you know Jesus, you know, said the one reason you can't see 
It's when you say you can see. That, that, that's the, I mean, there's a, you can have it. You can be deceived, but you can come out of deception if you're, if you're willing to get objective information. But the problem is when you're deceived, you're getting subjective information. You're getting, because this is all about your feelings now. Yeah. And so the problem is your feelings deceive you and take you deeper and deeper and deeper into this point of view that you have. Wow. And then, you know, when, when, you've, when you've really invested in stupidity, then it is incredibly, it is incredibly embarrassing to admit some of the silly stuff you've done. Yes, mm. yes, and yes. so uh, you know, I, and this this sounds very extreme. Well, that or the, they might admit to it, <clears throat> but then they they become so self defeating. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I I I did that, you know, and but then they just beat beat themselves up. And take no no really real yeah. real authentic responsibility, you know. They they just jump into yeah. that boat of uh, I, I just I'm just a mess up, you yeah. know. Yeah. Well, and you know, anytime a person makes it sound like they are taking too much responsibility, that is just a a way of taking no responsibility. It's a different. It's just a different way. You yes. makes you make yes. it so big. That, and and you take on so much blame that even in your own heart you know it, you know that it's unrealistic, mm-hmm. and so 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 it's still not taking responsibility. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Because I feel like sometimes sorry to just keep on going on this, but taking the blame is something that I can tend to do if anything goes wrong in, in my personal relationships. I will take the hundred percent blame so hard that it just, it's not good. Like it's an extreme. It's all my fault. And that's just self-pity. It's self-deprecation. It's not reality. That's, but I'm just saying that we all have different extremes and I'm just admitting mine. Yeah. So, so when, when a person, when a person is, is attempting to bring about quality changes in their, Mm. in in their life or their Mm -hmm. life experience or however you would say it, well, well, the moment that person uh, attempts that by dealing with anything outside of them, they are now going really into a delusional into a delusional mm. state because mm. because number one, you can't you you can't improve the internal quality of your life by changing anything on the outside. Now, changing things on the outside can you know be a part of enjoying life and that sort of thing, but uh, but changing things on the outside is is never what makes you enjoy life more. And you so, said that really well. I mean, you're saying things already this morning that I'm like, wow, just the way you worded this, good, really makes sense. Well, you know, remember, wisdom is practical application. Yes. And our concept in the West of wisdom is that wisdom is the is a depth of understanding, and it's not. It's not a depth so much as as, as it is understood. If you know how to work this in real life, if you know how to make this practical in real mm-hmm. life, then that's then that's what wisdom is. Right. And so, sadly, we think wisdom is about depth, and so and so we pursue a relationship with wisdom that is that is about depth so to speak and so it just it, it just falls yep. right into this uh, this uh, uh, repetitive process or syndrome of uh, of knowledge and ego hmm hmm and, so, and then so, it's just exalting uh, the ego exalting intellectualism or or some kind of enlightenment yeah. or something mm-hmm you know, you know, we're, we're reteaching the the book of John. I'm reteaching the book of John for Impact International School of Ministry, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, John, we forget that John, uh, he his unique ministry experience in the, in the New Testament was actually ministering to the Gnostics. That was the most unique aspect of the group of people he wrote. And so if you back that Gnosticism concept out of his writings, you actually miss about 70% probably of what he's trying, of what he is trying to address. Because remember the Gnostics, you know, Gnosis is the, is the Greek word for knowledge. 
And so mm. the Gnostics took this idea that that knowledge uh, itself is what brings life. Mm. And so uh, uh, John repeatedly points out that mm. that light comes after you have life. You know, in other words, knowledge does not produce life, but but li but life will produce knowledge. And so, and so John really, really addresses this uh, way more than I think than I think we realize, just because you know we just don't understand the struggle that he was fighting in that day. Yeah. But for for us, and and most of the world is like this now. Most of the world has been so westernized that uh, people. It's almost like people would rather have a really deep, impressive explanation of how something works than to actually know how yeah, it works. Yep, yep, Mm-hmm. That's so true. A deep understanding is all they, it's like, and it, I think that just exalting intellectualism, I call it an, I guess I call it enlightenment and I, and you just use these terms because they just fly all around. Yeah. But I mean, just having that whole, I understand more than you do. I know more <clears throat> than you do. Yeah. starts to become a feeling like who knows the most and who knows the right and who knows the most important or whatever it is mm -hmm. or the best. And, you know, it's all of it. You think, and then you look at how their life is blowing up and their relationships and their families and all of these things. And you think really like, like how is all that knowledge working for you? Like yeah. how is, how is that? And sometimes it even just turns into aggression where because you exalt knowledge so much, your ways, your knowledge is the best. It be turns into arguments and aggressing and challenging and, and not just loving the people around you. Well, absolutely. It's absolutely not about helping them or benefiting no, them. No, no. And that's that's pretty that's pretty tragic in and of itself. It is. It is. But that's you know that's kind of what the Western culture has devolved into. Mm -hmm. It's, it's just so true about knowledge and yes. And so, like I say, John addresses that so many times, and we don't realize he's addressing it because of the terminology mm -hmm. that was used back then. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would have no idea that that was like this is new news for me today about John and the Gnostics. I really didn't know that, and I wouldn't even have a scripture right now that would pop out and think, "Yeah, that's why he was saying this." So I guess I'll have to listen to your, your listen to what you well, have there you to go. say. Well, you know, and, and the key is, you look at how he uses the word light and how uh -huh. he uses the word knowledge, and uh -huh. uh, you start realizing that that he puts a lot of emphasis on the process of the light. You know, as nearly as I can understand in the Hebrew language, the word for life in the Hebrew language, it, pre it presents this concept that life is something you experience and then you understand it. I mm. see. We say if you could just get to where you could understand this, right. then you will experience it. So, really, what you're saying then is this is not an issue of faith. This is an issue of uh, of, uh, of knowledge, ego, information. And so we don't we don't realize that when John is again making references, you know, to the light. Like, uh, but well, you have to go back and get them in context, and you start seeing. Oh, well, wait a minute. Oh. Many times the way he's talking about the light, you're seeing that, that a misuse of it leads people in an absolutely uh, wrong direction. But so, so one of the things that we want to realize about personal transformation, you know, there, and there's a, there's a passive transformation. There's kind of a, I'm trying to think of, the, I have a, I've kind of broken this down. I, I, I'm not thinking of the terminologies I use, but, so I may not use the exact one sure, that you'll sure. see in a class or something. But you know, there is a, there is a passive uh, kind of guarding your heart transformation kind of thing. Then there is more of a a deliberate uh, you know a, approach to it. And then there's a reactive approach to you know to guarding your heart. And when you start looking at the differences of the interpretations of the words connected to the heart, like guard your heart, establish your heart. Right on your heart, decide yeah. in your heart, believe in your heart. You start going, well, wait a minute, I can't get yeah. a one, I better not get a one dimensional concept of the That's heart right. and that interaction here. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but uh, uh, one of the things that, you, you know, information is always valuable for renewing the mind mm -hmm. if you've got the right information. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I could, I could, you guys will probably have to rein me in if I, you know, if I go off here, here too far. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, in a few weeks, I'm going to do a, a new series on creation. And because, you know, I've, you know, I'm always talking about creation being the first pillar of faith. And I got to thinking, you know what, I, I really probably need to explain a little bit about what that, what that means and get, you know, get a bigger, uh, you know, a bigger concept of it. But, um, uh, and everything about creation was information that all of the angels that rebelled saw before they crossed over. And uh, so, so, you know, we've talked about this before, that, that God invented the laws of physics he, he had to create the world based on the laws of mathematics to make to make it you know to make it all work and so the uh, uh, when the fallen angels came and produced the Nephilim then the Nephilim themselves looked like gods because they used what was considered to be secret knowledge to accomplish things right well, they had that secret knowledge because of what they had seen before they crossed over, you know, before they came here and, uh, and, and participated in rebellion. So, so they were able to use knowledge of physics, a knowledge of, uh, you know, d- different kinds of mathematics to actually make things happen that made them look like supernatural beings. And so... It, I'll give it kind of. There, there's so much deception in the whole Nephilim thing, you know, that happens. So much deception brought into planet Earth, but you know, the the earliest pyramids, as far as we know, were not actually uh, for burial. They were they were portals. Now stop and think about it. So so these these watchers that rebelled and mm-hmm. came over and and had, and and you know produced Nephilim from the children of men. So, so they come over and uh, and everything everything is about deception. Everything now is about changing uh, the world's concept of God and, and how to approach God and how to what, you know how to make the supernatural work. Well, see, this, they had all this secret knowledge, so so they could make things happen that that looked like miracles and looked like magic. Yes, but it yes. was really just based on the laws of physics. But anyhow, hmm. so they came and they built the pyramids. And so, very possibly, the pyramids and the zaggarets were, were actually built on places that were portals because mm-hmm. there were, the Bible def, definitely identifies portals, you know, like Jacob's ladder. You remember that? Mm-hmm. Actually, yeah. the Hebrew, that's not the word ladder, that's the word staircase. And that was a portal where angels, you know, crossed over wow. from one side to the other side. Wow. So, <clears throat> so. These Nephilim, they so deceived the pharaohs that the pharaohs prob- probably used the pyramids, you know, you know, used the wealth of their country to build pyramids and to and to drive, you know, tens of thousands of slaves into death, early death. And the idea was that if the, if if uh, if you're pharaoh and you had seen one of the Nephilim. You know, go into and, and cross through a portable portal, and then he comes back and says, "See, this is the way to heaven." And so now it's like, okay, then I got some corrupt knowledge, and you know, who knows what they might have been able to make happen to impress them. But the point is, it was knowledge. It was pretty much, uh, I mean, you, you would deem it supernatural. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't fake, and uh, and so so this knowledge produced something. But it produced, it produced uh, uh, something that was incongruent with the Word of God, incongruent with the name of God, incongruent with the whole with the whole process of God. But all of that to say that the whole idea of secret knowledge has been around mm. for at least at least five thousand years or longer. Yeah. And so and so there there is a secret knowledge, and and that secret knowledge in and of itself is not evil. Mm. How it is used is evil. Mm. And so at the Tower of Babel, we have this, we have this situation arise 
where their capacity and their, their knowledge of the secret information was such that God said nothing could be withheld from them. Hmm. So if nothing could be withheld from them, they would believe that, see, because of these results, that that's the proof of them being godly and that's the proof of them being in harmony with God, but it's not. Hmm. And the person, the person that's ever trying to get anything outside of them to happen, you know, kind of in the miraculous kind of way, that person is never going to truly experience a transformation because transformation is something that happens on the inside and has very little, if anything, to ever do with anything on the outside. Yeah. The, the application of that knowledge of, you know, I'm, I'll take matters, you know, within my own hands of how to ascend to the heavens yeah. and descend, yeah. you know, because heavens classically, you know, in, uh, in uh, scripture writing is what's up there yep. and what's down here. Yep. <laughs> and and we, you know, with our imaginations create, you yeah. know, all, all these other images, but in their thinking is how do I get to up there yeah. and to get it down here? Yeah. And so with that, you know, even with, uh, you know, looking at the gospel of John, uh, you know, with regards to the Gnostics, it's again, the knowledge isn't what's evil, but it's the application yeah. of it. It's, right. it's 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 that me then producing even my own righteousness or my own way yeah. to ascend or to descend. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know that, that's one of the one you can't one of the reasons you can't help a lot of people is because if you get a secular sacred mindset, then it says everything everything is either secular or sacred. And so then the problem is uh, there's a lot of things that, uh, well, really, there's nothing that we inherently desire, you know, from a natural state. And there's really nothing that out here, outside of us, that's evil within itself beyond our intention of how we want to use it or, or why we want to use it. So knowledge Hmm. And and outward observance becomes uh, a way to shift all the uh, all the responsibility away from me, and I can put the responsibility on the devil. I can put the responsibility on God. I can put the responsibility on society. You know, all of this kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, that never. Excuse me. <clears throat> at the end of the day. You know, it doesn't solve any problems. It doesn't make anything better. And you, uh, you, you, you know, you've worked your little formula. You can talk the game, but nothing has really changed because it was, it was something outside of you that, that you thought was going to produce what you wanted. Okay. Uh, what kind of led into this? You were talking about passive, directive, or uh, intentional, or reactive transformation. Mm-hmm. You know, t- talking about the differences there. Right. Okay. So what happens is um, everybody is motivated differently. Mm. Uh, You you know, some people are motivated by a challenge. Some people are motivated by uh, absence of conflict. Uh, Some, I mean, you know, who who knows what. So we're we're all motivated differently. So when you think about when you think about being able to. Uh, take have control of your life. You know, we're we're man, we're down to twenty nine weeks in, in ultimate impact. And talking about taking control of your yeah. life. Yeah, I bet it's the longest any of those people have ever studied any one subject, probably. And I'm glad. That I mean, is this, a lot. Oh yeah. But what an amazing subject. Yes. Yeah, but this is this is this this is where they this is where they learn how to keep going back and looking at something, mm-hmm. and letting you know new life you know come out of it. But mm-hmm. uh, um. So when you start looking at these things that give us, actually give us control of our life, I don't mean in a negative way. You know, I don't mean force and all that kind of stuff. I talk, I'm talking about giving control of life, meaning I can choose and feel the empowerment to do and be anything I want to do and be. Mm-hmm. That's, that's control of your life. But, uh, but so when you start looking at that, you start saying, okay, then, what, what what's the most important priorities if I'm trying to get control of my life? What's the most mm-hmm. important? And, and, and you know, and the real truth is, 
we're making this journey. So having control of our life means, uh, and this just seems diametrically opposed, I'm not taking control of my life and staying the same all the time. I'm not, I'm not getting static. I don't have this static definition of spirituality. But by taking control of my life, I can choose to follow Jesus. I can choose when I'm reading the Word and see something different. I can say, you know what? Uh, I, I need to repent. I need to, I need to look at this. I need to understand this. And so, <clears throat> so, um, so, so we start realizing, okay, that I, I need to spend my whole, I'm going to spend my whole life changing for better or worse. Mm-hmm, going to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or I'm going to hit the brakes and never change while the world around me changes, which will be like me regressing, which will be. So, <clears throat> but what's, what's interesting is, What's motivating me? And, you know, we could all ask ourselves this question. Mm-hmm. What is vo- what is really motivating me to do some of the most basic things if I'm going to have control of my life? Which, which yeah. you know, of course, one is uh, guard your heart. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. You know, and and guarding your heart, again, that can be passive. That can be reaction, reactive. That can be, I can come Intentional. about. Intentional, yeah. yeah. It can come about in a, in a whole lot of ways. Uh, you know, guarding your heart gets into this concept of uh, of, uh, uh, of of being wise about what you expose yourself to. You know, not not exposing yourself to things that would cause you to stumble or fall or be be tempted and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Guarding your heart would be dealing inwardly with thoughts that emerge, you know, from your own heart. So there's all kinds of aspects to guarding your heart. But it's the same way when, when you start talking about uh, establishing your heart. Mm. Uh, I, I, because establishing your heart, that that's something that's a whole different dimension. It's a whole different function. And so, what's moving me to do this? What am I? Am I choosing what I'm going to establish my heart in, or is just the circumstances around me forcing me to see life a certain way? So, so there's all of these, there's all of these things, but but it kind of all narrows down to something incredibly simple. Most of the uh, most of the scriptures that we used over the years for spiritual warfare really were interpreted in very incorrect, very uh, uh, contradictory, biblically contradictory concepts, and so. Fighting the devil and spiritual warfare became a substitute for act- for actually experiencing transformation. So and, you know, instead of instead of letting me grow into something, instead of my inner man, you know, working through me and and changing the way I see the world and the way I experience God, uh, I, I'm going to for, I'm going to force something on the outside to change, which always means I'm not going to change. I'm not I'm not going to grow. Mm-hmm. But all of these models that we have that have been used to teach spiritual warfare, actually all of them uh, make more reference to you dealing with issues inside you and, and bringing about that kind of transformation because you're choosing to make this journey. You know, you're not on a witch hunt. You're not trying to find out what's wrong with you. But when you realize something in you needs to be made whole, then you deal with it. You you make that journey. But the key is, and we'll look at this, is that really all of this stuff that keeps us free from the devil, all of this stuff that keeps us in, in transformation and constant growth and constant uh, uh, walking with God, all of this happens inside of us. Mm-hmm. None of it's about fighting or changing anything out there. Right. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people can fall into the concept of, of the warfare in that fighting in the you know the external uh, simply because of of in the old covenant you know the model of israel was they were always battling their enemies mm-hmm. you know and, and it was an, an external warfare it was an, an external fight yep. and so then you come into the new covenant and it's just like okay my battle is still out there mm-hmm. you see and and i'm constantly going yep. out and I'm and I'm experiencing all of this bad opposition that's outside, and this is where all of a sudden you know um, 
the music became bad, the arts became bad, you know, all these things because got to keep the world well, well, out. Well, like I have to say, disco was of the devil. I was <laughs> that I'm pretty sure about that. You said that right when I took a sip of tea. I mean, you, this is where me and Jim are so different. Like Jim has no patience at all for disco. <laughs> right. for, for disco. And I love disco. I'm just going to say it. Who's 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 shocked about that? I mean, I was born in 65. And- well, uh, but we'll see in the end who gets transformed. Oh, and I think the angels play disco when they have their horns and everything. Oh, no. You know? oh, no. Yeah, they're oh, playing no. disco up there, man. Oh, no. <laughs> but, you know, I think here, here's what in typology. And typology is such a weird study because... You know, if you're not careful, you can make anything almost in typology say almost anything you want it to say. <laughs> yeah. and, but we have to realize that, that you know, Paul said that, that everything that happened to the children of Israel was for us. It was a type and a shadow mm-hmm. so that we could see how to walk with God and, make, and not make those same kind of mistakes and not experience that same kind of destruction. So when you start looking at typology and, and you start seeing the nation of Israel and, and, and the typology for salvation and walking with God, you know, starts with coming out of the slavery to Egypt. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, we've talked about it before. Then you go through the typology of mm-hmm. really, it's really a typology of repentance because, uh, uh, you know, the Feast of Unleavened Bread is all about giving up every view and opinion and concept that you have of God and letting mm. it go so it doesn't corrupt everything else inside you. And, you know, then you go from there to the Passover. And then, so at the Passover, you know, you connect into the blood of Jesus. Then uh, actually the key thing with the Passover is you're delivered from wrath. That's, that's one of the m- most outstanding things that people don't recognize. It's not just getting born again. It's mm. knowing that you're delivered from wrath. And then the Passover leads to, uh, uh, crossing the Red Sea, you know, which is being baptized into the body of Christ. And, and so every, every aspect of Egypt all the way into and after they got into the land of Canaan is typology about going from being an unbeliever to li- living and experiencing the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. So within that typology, what's interesting is, you know, some of the people that I respect the most, uh, present the idea that all of the nations in Canaan are types of the flesh. Hmm. And the reason that God told them to go in and, and drive them out, because you know, he said, if you, if you allow them to stay in there, they're going to become thorns in your sides. You're going to marry their daughters. You're going to worship their gods. You're going to go astray and you're going to destroy yourself. And so <clears throat> if in fact, those nations do represent the works of the flesh, then uh, then the the big spiritual battle that's going to transform our life is not going to be a fight with the devil. It's going to be the struggle that takes place within us mm-hmm. about managing the flesh and, and mm-hmm. how we will find gratification for our desires. Will we do it through sin or will we do it through godliness? So, so, it's amazing how ever everything gets turned to the outside instead of dealing yes. with the heart. Yes, yes, yes it really exactly does. Right. It really does. So you know, Ephesians six ten is is one of those passages of scriptures that gets into a turned into a devil fighting <coughs> scripture, but it's, mm-hmm. but it's really not. Uh, you know, we we look back at uh, a <coughs> excuse me, we look back at the. Uh, uh, Persia, Babylon, uh, and all of these countries, and go back. We we'll go back to the Book of Daniel, and, and the Book of Daniel, you know, addresses what appears to be spirits, so to speak, that uh, that are control. Looks like it's controlling these nations, and so the the teaching and the instruction where we, I think, from from the Book of Enoch, where we get understanding about the watchers, it points out the fact that a spirit is, and I think it's, it may not be in, in Enoch, uh, but it's, it's in one of these other ancient manuscripts if it's not. But the, the spirit that was connected, say, to the prince of Persia did not influence all of the people of Persia. It influenced the, the king. 
because the king is the one that's making the decisions for, for, for an entire nation. So, but people will look at Daniel and dealing with those principalities and powers, and then they'll come over here and they'll look at Ephesians 6, 10. They'll look at, uh, what is it, 2 Corinthians 10, 4, about casting out imaginations. And they totally skip over the cross. They totally skip over what Jesus did for us through our death, burial, and resurrection and, and want to go back to trying to pull you know, demons out of the air, which the Bible never has never even discussed that or never told us to do that. And that doesn't fit in with consistent theology. Yeah. But going back to just to reference what you said at the beginning, again, it, it's, it's such a huge uh, distraction, if you might, is that, but this is what I'm observing. You see, this is where there's this ascending and the descending. And then therefore, again, it's the, it's the delusion where, oh, that must be then where the power is. Mm-hmm. You see, and, oh, and so that's, that's what Bob. you see. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's what I. If the power is not within me. The power is up there, so I need to go up there and get it. Well, but I mean, you're seeing all this activity, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so then that right must, on the outside. Yeah, so mm-hmm. that must be where it is, mm-hmm. and, and because that's that's what they're <coughs> observing. So if they're yeah. observing it with Daniel, then it, I guess then oh, that's where the where the real warfare takes place. Yeah. But, you know, we have to remember, and you know, we, we talk, we've talked about extrapolation on here many times. Uh-huh. And extrapolation is what Lucifer did when he started with something that was true. And from that thing that was true, he created a logic. And then uh-huh. extrapolation is where you take this logic and you apply it you know, to every phase of whatever it is that you're dealing with. And suddenly, it's a complete lie. Even though it started out true, yeah. the logic of it was true, but, mm-hmm. but, but it didn't work all the way through the equation. Yes. And so we do that with, uh, with spiritual warfare. You know, you know, there is a saying that uh, correlation is not causation. Mm, I and heard and that one, one. Of the th- one of the things that you see all the time with subjective thinkers, with, with, with people who use a lot of fake science and people who are fake theologians, is they, w- they will come up with something that correlates. Mm. L- l- let's say that you walk outside and, uh, and the wind is blowing from the north and you pray a prayer and it gets immediately answered. <laughs> and so you go... That's Whoa. A, well, Whoa. if the Whoa. wind is blowing out of the north, I can always get my prayers answered. Well, there, there might be some correlation here, but that's not the causation. Not, I can see not, where people can take this and fly with it, and I could pr- I probably have done it myself. I can't think of something right this second, but yeah. we do. We tend to do this because if we see any kind of a, see, we're looking for patterns, and we're looking for oh. When I do this, it means this. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. You know, and, and by the way, the brain is always looking for patterns. Great. Uh, no, always. <laughs> oh, yeah, always. Yeah. Well, because, I, I, and that's the mathematical rhythms, yeah. you know, and patterns that we're looking for. Yeah, because, because we interpret what's in front of us based on what we've seen in the past. And mm. so, so we're always using some personal experience some mm-hmm. subjective personal experience from mm-hmm. the past. And probably and, some correlation. And, and Yeah. And, and it's not to say there's not correlation, but that does not mean the correlation is it's causation. Cause. Yeah. Yes, right. And so people do this. It, it amazes me how much, how much people do this. It amazes me how uncomfortable people are just saying, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, I, somebody's like, well, well how did you get this? that to work? I don't know. I don't know. You know, and the truth is most of the time we don't. <laughs> but we think we have to they oh, figure but, out something. But it makes us look so wise, you know, whenever yes. we, uh, when, you know, when we, when we explain our idiotic logic about how we got something to happen, it makes us look so wise that we can talk about it, you know. Yeah. And I guess we're constantly <laughs> wanting to bring things to a science, okay, which is then the the magnifying or the exalting of Gnosticism, you know, where if if I can create a science of getting a miracle or something to happen, 
you know, even with regards to transformation. Yeah. So if I can create the science of it, then I can make it happen anytime, yeah. every time. And I completely pull the relational component, the life component out of it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. That, yeah. I mean, there's, there's so many different pathways that we can, that we can go down. Do you guys want to look at that scripture over in Ephesians? Yeah, let's yeah, do let's it. Let's do it. You, Ephesians okay. 6, 10. So, you know, it starts out verse, verse 10, Ephesians 16. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power or in the power of his might. And, and you know what's amazing? Golly, every one of these verses could be a whole sermon that would easily put you back in connection with God and, and in connection with God in your heart. I mean, when you stop and think about being strong in the Lord and in his power of his might or his mighty power, man, uh, that is all internal. That is all what's happening between me and God right now in the face of whatever it is that is, that is trying to back me down. What are, you know, what am I seeing and experiencing in my heart? Uh, uh, as opposed to the, this, this world around me. And, uh, so again, inside perspective, talking about the grace of God. So it says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the devil's scheme. Now, what's really interesting, putting on armor is a protective move. It is, it, in one sense, it is generally considered uh, a defensive move. So this is not telling you to go into an offensive mood to fight the devil. Now, this is, go- this is a metaphor that's going to lead us into putting on the whole armor of God. And so, and we're starting this passage out with be strong in the Lord, the power of his might. So we got to be really careful then. How do we, how do we interpret the typology of the armor? And, and normally People interpret it as we're getting ready to go out and fight the devil. Right. Why else would you put on bar- armor? Right. And but that's not you know but that's not what this passage of scripture is calling us to do. It's calling us to be strong, in the Lord, the power of His might, mm. and then to put on the whole armor of God. Why? So we can stand against the wiles. Mm. You know, and, and we, we're just finishing. Like I said, we just finished week twenty nine in Ultimate Impact. And by <laughs> I the way, love that. We I will love be, that. Uh, we will be announcing this week the the date for the new the next Life Transformation oh, Workshop. And, that is so exciting. And the couple of dates that we're going to do some health work with magnets, which is oh really, wonderful. Oh, yeah. so good. And you'll be doing that on the Saturday UI. Yep. Like you, okay, you'll be teaching about magnets and yep. all the energy and all that. Okay, great. So, uh, um, so what, what this, as you, uh, you notice, it's not saying so that we can go out and attack the devil, right. but it says so that we can, can withstand. Against. Yeah, withstand, yes. And so you, you start real, it's sort of like, a, it's sort of like, a, I'm trying, you know, I, I never was into comic books, so I don't know a lot of the, the sci-fi kind of stuff, mm-hmm. but it's sort of like being able to put a power shield around you. Yeah, force field, yeah. And, and a force field, there you go. And, and so even though all of this activity is going on there, it's not touching you. Because you got on the armor. You didn't put on right. the armor so you could run out there and try to fight and, you know, carry on. You put on the armor so that nothing touches you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, you know, that, that's kind of my take on life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a lot of people think I'm being egotistical when I say this, but it's sort of like, you know what? Uh, I always win. I never lose. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I don't ever try to make you lose, you know, either. Right. Right. But uh, but I'm always going to come out on top. And the only mm-hmm. time I'm not going to come out on top is, is if I get tired and weary and give up. Mm-hmm, and that's it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, so you know, you get this idea, or I do, when I read something like this about walking through life with nothing being able to touch you, and it's not because you're running out here doing warfare and you're detecting every, you know, every little sneaky right. little thing. Right. You're not it's, being it's aggressive. It's just because yeah. you have made yourself to be protected. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So put on full armor of God that you that you can stand against the wiles or the schemes of the devil. Now that's that brings us into another factor of this. Most people don't know what the schemes of the devil are. 
Mm. I mean, our, you know, most people think that the devil can speak into their mind. There's the Bible, not, not only does the Bible not say that, it actually says, teaches just the opposite. He, mm -hmm. The devil cannot speak into your mind. Uh, and so, so it's not like he's, it, it, it's not like he's coming up and saying, let me, let me see what kind of sin I can get you to do, do today. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. stick a fork in see what sticks, you know, <laughs> uh, because, because the real truth is the sins that we commit are the ones we like, you know, and the ones that we have, and, and what mm -hmm. makes it a sin is some ungodly way we have found to gratify something that could be gratified in a very, very healthy way. Mm -hmm. uh, so it says, so, so we're going to stand against the devil's schemes. And so I know every scheme of the devil is based on deception and on slander. And he's either, he's going to, he's going to deceive me about the benefit of something I can get the shortcut that I can take and get gratify my flesh or either, either it's going to come about through, you know, through that kind of deception, or it's going to come about because through his deception, I become fearful and I start thinking he's more powerful than I am, but it's always deception. He, he, he can't do anything to you by force. You get deceived. You make the choice. Mm -hmm. So he says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against, uh, against, uh, rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world and against spiritual uh, forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Now, I think we, I think we might have misunderstood. Bob, you, you're a good theologian. You tell me I might be off base here, but I don't think when it says our struggle is not against flesh and blood, I don't think it's saying that we never deal with people. Mm -hmm. But it says our our struggle is not with flesh and blood. Our struggle. Now, this doesn't mean people are not involved, but it mm -hmm. means that what is working in these people somehow is is uh, 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 this this thing this thing of, of rulers, of authorities, of powers of this dark world. Now we know that Satan was stripped of all principality, all power, he has nothing. So to interpret this as me fighting against a devil who has or a demon who has authority, then, then now I'm saying I'm going to take something that I absolutely know the Bible says and I'm going to throw it away because of my subjective denominational uh, stance on spiritual warfare. Mm -hmm. I'm going to and, pretend like the devil's got authority here. Mm -hmm. And, and it also has, I think, a lot to do with um, iniquity that, that is alive. And though this is the way we've been taught. This is the way we've... Um, uh, been um, demonstrated, you know, how to live. And those are the things that are passed from generation to generation is, is that, that iniquity yep. of, of, and that's what we're battling against yep. is, are those mindsets and those um, behavior, behavioral um, uh, practices, yep. you know, that really entrench themselves uh, in the hearts of people. Oh, you know what that that is so incredibly right on because you know I, I remember I was I was doing a crusade in the Philippines and uh, uh, they had killed the previous six preachers that had come to this island and so I got a message when I got there they killed they said we killed the last six and if you go on with this crusade you're going to be number seven and so they uh, we were staying in this little little shack up on top of this hill one of the chocolate hills actually. And so, man, you could, the witch doctor screamed and danced and did stuff all night long. So the guy that was with me, he says, don't that scare you? I said, no. I said, don't scare me as long as they're down there. I said, but I got news for you. If somebody comes running through that door with a knife, then, then we got a problem. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he said, well, what do you mean? I said, look, demons can't hurt us. Right. We are right. not, it doesn't matter if they do this till kingdom come. It's not going to hurt us. Yeah. What will hurt us is some extremist zealot believes that yeah. it will benefit his God to run up here and kill one right. of us. Right, That's it. right. And so when I look at this thing about, you know, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but, but 
Paul says in another place, he says, he says, the spirit of the air works in all of the children of disobedience. So it's not a matter of like possessed. And so you start saying, okay, how could all the children of disobedience, how, how could the spirit of iniquity work in them? How could this, how could this happen if they're not all demon possessed? Well, what you realize is, is everything that the whole world is doing right now, every corrupt thing in government, every corrupt thing in business, every corrupt thing that's happening is happening because of greed, because of the lust of power. In other words, the Luciferian doctrine got taught in the earth by the Nephilim. And then actually the Nephilim came back. A lot of people don't realize after the flood and, and in Genesis 16, it said they would. It said, it says that they're here now and, you know, and afterwards. And so they presented themselves as gods and demigods. And they came and they taught all of this false doctrine to the population of the earth. And, and, you know, the action that God took was not just wrath in the sense of I'm going to punish you for how evil you are. I'm going to create a flood that is going to protect the bloodline of the Savior yes. because because if the bloodline of the Savior gets corrupted, there is no salvation for the world then. And so the flood was an incredible, incredible, incredible act of mercy. But what you start realizing the issue with, see, see, the word demon-possessed is not really in the Greek language. It is the word demonized. Hmm. So that would be sort of like saying, if, if you went to a Communist Party meeting, I wouldn't say a spirit of communism came on you. I would say you got influenced to believe communism. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So demonize presents more of a concept of influence. So how does that influence come? Well, it comes from all of the false science, all of the false you know, religion, all of the false everything being taught for the last almost 6,000 years in the earth. And then we're taking the word of God and saying, okay, but this is what the truth is. So I'm not fighting directly against this politician that is full evil. I'm, I've got to deal with this prince of the power of the air. Well, how do I do that? Well, there's two ways to do it. And it's going to show, you, show us in a minute the, the way we do it for ourselves. But the way we do it for somebody else is to lead them to Jesus, get them to embrace righteousness in their own heart. I, if I fight them like this is between men, then I have a war. If yeah. I fight them like this is between me and the devil, then I have nonsense and nothing, nothing ever changes. Mm -hmm. So I want to minister to that person. And I not only want to have on the whole armor of God, if I'm going to develop them as a disciple, they're going to they're going to put on the whole armor of God. And by the way, let me just say this uh, before we because I'll forget. But you know, over here where it talks about uh, uh, all of these principalities and powers and rulers, these rulers and uh, this is in the Greek. It doesn't say in heavenly realms. It just says in high places, and very possibly this is more of a reference to governmental and religious leaders ah. than it is to spirits floating around up in the air. Hmm, interesting. Well, I've always thought of it the other way. Yeah. Well, the, I think the word, if I remember correctly, the word for heavenly realms is just the word epi. Well, the word epi just means above. Mm -hmm. You know, epigenosco, that means it's above knowledge. You know, ep, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, uh, so we kind of twist all of that and uh, and we take it into a fight with spiritual beings yes. you know, that, that are out there in outer space somewhere. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, so it says in verse 13, Therefore, put on the whole armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. So what what is the day of evil? What does it mean? Is it talking about the second coming? It's talking about the day that evil tries to invade your <laughs> life. It's talking about, you know, the destruction that, that comes to you because of evil people. You know, it's such a paradox to realize that person is evil because they believe evil things, but still my battle is not directly with them. Hmm. 
you know, what I need to do for them is get them saved. I need to get them. Yeah. I need to get them embracing the love of God. And and need, you know, the way I look at it, every time we lead somebody to Jesus, that means somebody's house isn't going to get broken into tonight. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or somebody's a drunk, a drunk driver is not going to hit somebody tonight. I mean, we make the world a safe place. Right. So he says. So he says, uh, you want to be able to stand. And, and I love this. He says, and that, after you've done everything, uh, then just keep standing. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And then when, when you're all done standing, go ahead and stand some more. Yeah. So when you start going through the armor of God, what's interesting is every one of these uh, are making reference to in, internal management. You know, things that we do internally. So, so it starts out, it's like, okay, stand firm with a belt of truth around your around your waist. You know what? I'm going to slide over here to the New King James. Uh, I, I want to see how this reads. Having the uh, gird your waist with truth. Now, so, so you stop and think about when you gird up your loins with truth, this, this is where reproduction comes from. Mm-hmm. And so if we if we want to really help people, then then the the seed that that brings about reproduction is a spiritual seed. Mm-hmm. And so so I, so I, my loins, the, the part of me where I reproduce, mm-hmm. the, the part of me where I affect the world is is completely, completely uh, bound up in the truth, in the truth. Yeah. And then it says, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, remember, the breastplate guards your heart. So the way you guard your heart more than any other way is to yield to righteousness. Stay in harmony with God. Stay in harmony with who Jesus is. And that will guard your heart from, you know, from greed and every, every kind of lust that you can imagine. And then it says... And have your feet shod uh, with a, in the Greek it says, with a, with a th- thorough preparation. Actually, it says in the Greek, with a readiness of mind uh, that comes from a thorough preparation in the gospel of peace. So mm. then, once again, my ability to stand is, uh, is not because I'm kicking the devil around. My ability to stand is because my foundation is the peace of God peace. that I have with Jesus, through Jesus, the covenant yes. of peace, the gospel yes. of peace. Yes. And then it says, above all, taking the shield of faith, which with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. You know, there are places in the Old Testament where the concept of fiery darts uh, is, is connected to thoughts and and the things that you let you know that you allow to come into your mind. And a lot of people say, well, well, the devil's talking to me. No, he's not. This is your this is your own mind talking to you about things you've heard, things you've been taught, the ways that you think you can gratify yourself that are outside of the Word of God. It's not the devil speaking in your mind. Right. And so, and so, uh, uh, so you take up the shield of faith. Now, faith is always about uh, uh, raising up the truth as, as your shield in the situation. This is God's Word, and you, you raise that up. You know, your heart is protected. And, uh, and you say, no, uh, you do like Jesus did on the Mount of Temptation. You just say, no, this is, this is what the Word of God says, and this is what I'll trust. And so then, of course, it comes down to that, that faith quenches the fiery darts. And so that's the kind of the picture of a, you got a shield up, and you know, they're shooting fiery arrows, and but those arrows are going into your shield. They're not going into you. And this is taking the helmet of salvation. Well, the helmet of salvation uh, very probably refers to renewing your mind. Mm-hmm, get your, mm-hmm. You know, get your thinking straight. And it says, and then the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so I'm grabbing the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, many people say, see, see, you got a sword. You're supposed to be out there fighting. Well, nothing else has said go out there and fight. Everything else has said, I'm making you capable of quenching everything that's thrown at you. And so possibly when it talks about uh, uh, having this, the sword of the spirit, that may be even wh- when you get in context because it starts talking about praying, that may even be where we're talking about getting into praying the way Jesus taught it, where you're binding and loosing, you're using the keys of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it has a lot to do 
with the words that we use. And uh, even in Revelation, where it, where it speaks about the Lord coming, and there's a sword yep. that comes from his mouth. Yep. So again, that, that sword has so much to do, you know, I believe with, with the creative tongue and the words, again, our life or our death. Yeah, yeah. And so, <clears throat> so, so it says, and then praying always. Now remember, and, and when we see the word prayer, and you notice it makes a distinction between prayer and supplication. You know, supplication is more about trying to ascertain what is ours. You know, mm-hmm. you know we're, 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 making, we're supplicating for something. Mm-hmm. But prayer, as Jesus taught it, is always binding and loosing. And it always it follows the process where, you know, first thing you do is our Father which art in heaven. You connect to God as your Father. Mm-hmm. You know, you get that established. And you, you go through that whole process of what mm-hmm. we call the Lord's Prayer, the model mm-hmm. prayer. Mm-hmm. And you don't go through it religiously. You go through it connecting inwardly. Relationally. Like it's yep. it's more of that connecting. It's not just doing it a yep. ritual. It's what does that mean for this moment yep. right now? Mm-hmm. And then when you do that and your heart is established in that, then you're mm-hmm. ready to bind and loose. You're ready to put a stop to anything that's illegal, uh, a spiritually illegal in your life. And you're ready to release anything that's spiritually legal that is, be- that is being blocked from you, that's being mm-hmm. withheld. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you go through all of this and you go, well, wait a minute. There ain't, there's nothing in here about going out and having a big fight with the devil. And so, so all of this stuff is saying, keep your inner man, keep your heart yeah. guarded, yeah. you know, renew your mind, mm-hmm. keep yourself established in the truth, n- you know, uh, never move away from the gospel of peace. Every, every bit of this is talking about how you are managing mm-hmm. your inner man. Mm-hmm. Managing your inner man, and that really is transformation. That's that really is completely yeah. along this topic of of inner transformation. How are you managing yeah. the inner man? Mm-hmm. I know a week or two ago you were talking about how, as you say, we don't go on a witch hunt. But when I have a, a feeling of insecurity or whatever it is that pops up, then I can go to that place and go, yeah. oh, now I can manage my inner man and say, what is behind this? Yeah. Absolutely. And, and you know, here's the interesting thing, too. Again, we think about transformation. Man, when you start talking to people about change, which is the word they're going to use, you know, we're going to yeah. use the word transformation. But they always see that as trying to become better, you know, trying right. to put forth the effort. Right. And, uh, you know, transformation and repentance, that's not something that's reserved for just making big blunders and big sins. Really, every minute of every single day, we, we really, if we have a heart for it, if we, if we really have a heart for being a disciple, mm-hmm. and it's a, that means we have a teachable heart, then it's sort of mm-hmm. like I've constantly got my radar out, if you will. And if I start moving in a direction yeah. that doesn't feel right, if I start yeah. moving, that violates my conscience, or it doesn't have to be something big, it doesn't have to be something evil, it just doesn't right. feel right. And it's not, right. and I, so I realize, and wait a minute, this is, this is not scripturally based, I'm not walking in love. Then yeah. even though that may have been an event that lasted 10 seconds, you still went through a process of put off, put on, yeah. of, of guarding your heart, of renewing your mind, uh, you know, it's, and you went through transformation. In nanoseconds, just, in, bam, nanoseconds. in nanoseconds. That's right. Yes, it happens so fast. And it's amazing how when we, we do train ourselves and emphasize this in our life to manage our inner man, that this starts to become our inner process that happens subconsciously. I don't think that it has to be conscious every time. I think it starts to become self yeah. subconscious. It's just happening as we are that teachable one, as we are, you know, we got our radar up and if it violates our conscious, then it doesn't feel right. We don't have to overthink it or bring all that logic. You know, we talked today, we started out with the Gnostics, like we don't have to bring all that knowledge into it, but we can follow our heart when we, when we are guarding our heart, establishing our heart, persuading our heart, all of those aspects are so important when it comes to, um, then, then it becomes effortless. I say subconscious, but it is kind of effortless too. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, there's so much today that we've talked about. Uh, something that just um, really popped out, uh-huh. you know, for me, just to to kind of wrap this up. 
is that when I become fearful and I make a, a decision or a choice from that place of fear. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of what we've been talking about is that, you see, when I really do stand in Jesus and I recognize, you know, the armor of God, I don't need to be fearful. Right. right? And then I, I, I still, I still have a choice, but I mm-hmm. don't want fear, you know, forcing me right. or manipulating me or allowing the external mm-hmm. to direct yes, the, the choices yes. that I have. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so I, I'm just, you know, this is where I do stand firm. Yes. And when I've done all to stand, I keep standing. I keep standing. And I will not yeah. give in to fear. That's so. right. That's so good, Bob. It is. Well, that, well, that was a fantastic episode. Wow. Here we go again, you guys. We did this together. I'm yeah. thinking of our listeners and we're in this together. You're an important part of our mix. Like this is all of us together yep. um, working on like just loving this journey. Mm-hmm. And Bob, you mentioned before that life is hard. And then this is be- when life really doesn't have to be hard or challenging. When we yeah. have managed our inner man and when we're doing that transformation, it doesn't, life is great. Right. To move to that place yes. of rest. Life is a full yeah. of rest. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, we you need know, to wrap when it up. We yeah, come back, ahead, when we yeah. come back, maybe we can talk. The whole uh, podcast doesn't need to be this way, but maybe we can talk a little bit about how easy and light fits into this. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, I like it. Uh, as as well, listeners, I would really... You guys can look forward to that next week. <laughs> I love it. Uh, just a quick reminder. This is episode number 215, mm-hmm. and we've talked, uh, we've referenced throughout the podcast uh, the Ultimate Impact Group. Mm-hmm. And so I'd, I'd really encourage you to go to... Um, impact Ministries. impact ministries and just follow the links there mm-hmm. and it's a, a wonderful group that uh, yes. i would encourage and a new you. one is starting so this mm-hmm. is a good time to jump in yep. in the next yeah, we, couple weeks. we will we'll start signing people up this week and uh, for the next one and then it'll start in a few weeks yeah we, we, we always like to time. let people get in at the beginning so they're not mm-hmm. lost if they come in right. in the middle of it they're kind of like what, what, Ooh, what? there's <laughs> been so much yeah. foundation laid yeah. and so this is a great time to start that if you haven't done that yet Yeah, that's great. Okay. All right. Time to go. Everyone have a wonderful, wonderful week. Thank you so much, Jim, for your time, for Mm -hmm. your love, for your discipleship. Really, that is how I feel with you, and I really appreciate it. All right, guys. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.